You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. I think it was on Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, um, Maddie, she homeschools Noah and eventually, by faith, is going to homeschool our daughter. And she was outside teaching Noah. They were doing some type of science or math lesson and I was inside working and Eliza woke up and she was crying because she wanted her mom. So we went outside and uh, they were kind of toward the back lot. We walked out there for maybe five minutes and um, she ran into her mom's arms. They finished their lesson and, and we came back inside. I was outside for maybe five minutes and I walked back in and probably 10, 15 minutes later, I had a full blown allergy attack. I mean, I'm sneezing, I'm coughing. I'm snotting, my eyes are on fire, I'm rubbing my eyes, I'm crying. And at first I was just trying to tough it out and sit in my office and work on my computer. And those that are married know that it takes maximum like two sneezes before your spouse gets annoyed. What are you doing? Can you be quiet is what I hear from the other room. No signs of love or compassion. So I walked into the kitchen to get closer to her, so hopefully she would lay her hands on me and pray for me and cast it out of me. And I'm over the sink, and I'm just splashing water in my face. And I'm just like crying, snotting, and coughing into the sink because I'm trying to get whatever's on me off of me. I've got this annoyance that has shown up in my body, and I can't get rid of it. And I'm trying to splash a little bit of water on my face, and, and that's not working. And my wife is telling me that it's not working. And finally, she says, just go get in the shower and wash it off. All right. So... I go and take the clothes off that I walked outside in, and I get in the shower, and I just stand under the water and let it wash over me. As I get done with the shower, all of a sudden, whatever allergy that was inside of me that was attacking me, I finally kicked it out of my system. And the title of my sermon today is Kick Him Out. Kick Him Out kick him out. I'm not a fan of talking about the devil, if I'm being honest. There's Christian songs that are out there that talk about the devil, not in a good way, but it talks about us defeating him or it calls him by name. The devil is defeating all that. And I'm not a big fan of even seeing those songs. Why are we giving him any type of honor by mentioning his name in God's house? I don't like preaching about him to be honest, because he's defeated. So I want to talk about the one who defeated him. I don't want to have this whole sermon and talk about, ooh, the the scary devil and who, no, no, no. I, I want to talk today about our risen Savior, about our one who defeated the devil, it says in Colossians, who made an open mockery of him in front of everybody. And I want to see how Jesus interacted with the devil on three different stories today and how he kicked him out of certain situations in his life to help you kick that dumb, defeated devil out of your life. It says in Ephesians 5, it's talking about husbands and wives, and it's comparing Jesus to having that interaction between husband and wife. And one of the things he says in Ephesians 5 is that he's washing the church in the word. 
And when I went in that shower Wednesday, and I stood under that water, I tried to splash a little bit of water in my face, and that wasn't working. I had to be fully submerged under the water to get whatever allergy was in me out of my system. A little bit of splashing wasn't working. I needed to be fully immersed in the water to clean it out, to take care of it. How do we kick him out? The first thing is to be fully submerged in the water, to be washed in the word of God. That is the ultimate victory to help you. But I want to see how Jesus did it. I want to see how my big brother did it, how he kicked the devil out so that you can be victorious in kicking him out as well. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, a scripture that I love dearly and use often, says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that you and me and other Christians, those that once were sinners that are now righteous, may have boldness, when? Boldness in the day of judgment. There is a time in a period where we will all stand before God, and those who have not accepted God those who have not accepted Jesus as their Savior are going to stand in front of God, the judge himself, and he is going to weigh out what they've done. And I'm going to let you know that they're going to lose that case 100% of the time. But not us as Christians. We don't go to the judgment throne. We go to the throne where our Father is. And also right next to the Father, it says in 1 Timothy, is our mediator or our lawyer. And even if God has something to bring against us, which he doesn't because we're covered in his son's blood, our mediator and our lawyer is standing there. And even if the accuser of the brethren is standing there trying to argue against us, Jesus wins and he says, that's my son, that's my daughter, that is my child. God, don't you recognize him? He's covered in my blood, therefore he's clean and he's one of ours. Love has been perfected in this, that in that day you can have boldness to stand in front of your father. Not be scared of the judgment he's going to pass upon you, but receive the blessing of eternal life, praise God. Because as he is, that he is capitalized talking about Jesus, so are you in this world. So we're going to see three different stories of how Jesus kicked the devil out of his home, out of his day-to-day, and out of his relationship with God. To help you, because if Jesus did it, you can do it. Now more than ever, we need to not be scared of the devil. We need to remember that we're victorious over the devil. The same spirit that was placed inside of me is the same spirit that Jesus had. Greater is he that's in me than the dumb devil that would come against me in the world. If Jesus had victory kicking the devil out, then we have the same victory to kick him out of our lives. So as I'm taking a shower, washing this thing off of me, these three stories fall into my spirit. I thought, all right, God, I think we got a sermon here. So I want to highlight them today. Number one, kick him out of your house. Kick him out of your house. Luke chapter 10, verses 18 and 19, Jesus is speaking to his disciples 
Luke chapter 10, verses 18 and 19. And he, Jesus, saying to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Kicked him out of his house. Verse 19 says, Behold, it's like he doesn't even, he, it's like a throwaway sentence. Like it's not even a big deal to Jesus. He just starts off with, yeah, I, I saw him get kicked out as quick as lightning. And the very next thing he says is, behold, I give you the authority to do what? To trample on serpents and scorpions. And over all, not some, not till you get to a certain height in Christianity. You ever played those video games where you have to level up? And if, you, if you're a level two, you can't play a level five because they're really going to beat you. If you're a level five, you can't play a level ten. No, no, no. As soon as you come in, Jesus says, I give you my authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. You can read, I believe it's in Isaiah, it's definitely in Ezekiel, the story of what happened. That Lucifer was created as a musical instrument. He was created and designed to allow worship and music to flow through him to God. The devil got grumpy one day because he was tired of the music going through him and he wanted to stop it to where it came to him, not through him. And he said, I want to be just like God. I want to receive the worship and the praise and the adoration I'm tired of being, if it wasn't for me, then nobody else would praise God. God says, I've got a funny story for you. <laughs> Bye. We had a storm blow through last night. And we saw lightning through the windows. How quick the lightning would flash and be gone. And Jesus says, I saw Satan. As soon as he said, I bet you I could be better than him or sit on his throne. God said, all right, enough of you. See you later. He says, I saw him fall like lightning. I saw him get kicked out of my house. Saw him get removed. In Psalms 91, verses 9 and 10, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Look at verse 10. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague, any dumb devil, come near your dwelling. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. It's time to kick him out of your house. Don't let him just stay in there and meddle in your marriage, meddle in your kids. Don't give place to the devil and make a room for him to come and hang out and visit every once in a while. No, no, no. Kick him out. And it doesn't take long. We're not trying to do an exorcism and take days and days and months and months. Jesus kicked him out of his house as quick as lightning is. It's time for you to open the door and say, it's time to go. You're not going to mess with me and my family anymore. A couple months back, we had shared the story how some ants took over our house. We had an ant infestation. Around the same time, we had a mice infestation here, mainly because there was kind of an opening on that back door that they were coming into. With ants at my house and mice here, I didn't make room for the ants to live. 
I didn't go into my son's room with a mound of dirt and say, well, we're just going to build a little corner for the ants to come live. I'm just going to put all this dirt in the corner. They'll leave my room alone, and maybe they'll just come in here and build. I didn't clean out the cabinets underneath there and put a bunch of tissue and a bunch of uh, cheese and a bunch of stuff and say, well, maybe if I just make room in that corner over there, the mice will leave me alone and they could just stay in that corner. No, I called the exterminator as soon as they were open and I said, you've got to come to my house, you've got to come to my church, and you've got to get rid of these pests. No plague shall come into your dwelling. It's time for you to kick the devil out of your house and not let him stay, not make room for him, not make excuses for him. He cannot stay. Where there is light, there can be no darkness. And I'm shining a pretty big light in my house and in my church, therefore, he can't stay. Every house or apartment or anything that me and my wife have ever lived in before we move in, we would get, we were poor back then or not that spiritual. We didn't have anointing oil just handy on us. We had Crisco or we had vegetable oil or whatever. And we would get oil and we would walk through the house and we would anoint every door. We'd anoint every window. We'd pray over our property. We'd anoint our near our mailbox and everything. We'd pray. There have been times where I've been praying or I've felt that the devil was attacking us or something was going on in our household where I've literally gone to the front door, I've opened the front door, and I said, you can't stay here anymore. You have to leave. The door is open. You're not allowed to come back in. In the name of Jesus, leave. And then I'd close the door. We're not playing this game. He's been defeated. God is on my side, and you can't stay in my house anymore. Kick him out of your house. Whenever I was younger, um, I'm trying to think of when it was. I think it was when we were in college. A hurricane was coming to Louisiana, coming to Lake Charles, and they gave a mandatory evacuation. And we got in the car, like, me and my brother were in one of our vehicles, and mom and dad were in the other vehicle, and we were about to pull out of the property. And mom and dad, I saw them. They got out of their cars, and they started walking the property. They started laying hands on their house. They walked to the four corners of our property and prayed over it, praying safety over our house as this hurricane was coming toward. I believe it was Rita. Is Katrina hit New Orleans. Rita hit Lake Charles. And... We left, I think we went to Alabama to be with some of her fam, my mom's friends and stuff like that. We came back, and we had a couple of shingles missing off the roof, but there was no damage. The, my brother's, uh, younger brother's trampoline had got thrown into the front yard of our neighbors, and I think he had a tree house or something that kind of got hit, but there was no damage to our property. And when we, the interesting thing was when we stood up on top of the roof of our house, as we were looking at the, the shingle damage, you could see, because Lake Charles is so flat, you could see all the other subdivisions, the other roads next to us. And there was a tornado that came on our road and dropped down, and it went back up in the sky, went between 
our neighbor's house and our house, and then came back down on the street behind us, hit a house, went back up, and you could see the angle of that tornado on the roof as it went right in between my parents and our neighbor's house with no damage to the house. It either works or it doesn't. Either God is on your side or he's not. Either he's protecting you or he's not. And it starts with you using your voice and using the word of God to kick him out of your house. The next one, kick him out of your day-to-day. We're going to look at Jesus when he was fasting for 40 days and the devil came to tempt him. Kick him out of your day-to-day. Matthew chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. Then Jesus said to him, talking to the devil, Away with you, Satan, for it is written. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. And immediately after he says this, verse 11 says, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. As soon as Jesus speaks the word, the word of God, it says immediately he left him. Now, the devil tried to tempt him three different times during that period. And the way that he tempted it is ways that the devil still tempts us today. He started off by asking him to turn rocks into bread. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. And the very first thing that he tempts him with is something physical. You haven't eaten in 40 minutes and you're probably... So anxious and so angry. Hurry up. It's time to eat. Get another burrito. And the very first thing he says is turn the rock into bread. The physical thing that, G- that the devil shows up in your day to day. When he tries to put sickness on you. When he tries to mess with your job. When he tries to mess with your house. When he tries to mess with your vehicle. When he tries to mess in the physical realm of your life. The next temptation that he does is he tells Jesus, he brings him to the top of the temple, and he says, jump off, and the angels will catch you. That's what the Bible says. The devil quotes the Bible. That's what the devil says from Psalms 91, that the angels will catch you. The next way that he messes in your day-to-day is the mental. Isn't that something? If you jump off, then maybe an angel will catch you, and you're standing on the edge And you start that mind game. Did God really say that? Did that really mean to me? Is that scripture really for me? That mental game that the devil tries to play with you. You're no good. Nobody likes you. Even God doesn't like you. Quit trying to believe for this. It's not going to happen. He plays this mental game with you that you need to stop. And the last temptation that he does is he tells Jesus to bow down and worship him. He says, bow down and worship me, and I'll give you the authority of the earth back that he took from Adam. The last day-to-day thing that he's trying to mess with is your future. He tried to mess with Jesus's future there. He says, you don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to endure the nails, the beating, the ridicule. You don't have to go to the grave. You don't have to do anything. I'll give you back the authority that I took from Adam If you just bow down and worship me, he's trying to change his future. How many times does the devil try and route you a different way? 
Well, God said this, I am prosperous, but I'm not prospering. Well, it must not work. It's time to kick the devil out of your day to day. He doesn't need to be in my physical anymore. He doesn't need to be in my mental state anymore. And he's definitely not going to be in my future. He's not going to route my future. The wages of sin is death. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the future he's always trying to bring me to. But Jesus came so that you'll have life and more abundantly. That's the future I would like to go down. That's the marriage that I'd like to go down. That's where I want my kids and my church to go down. Life and more abundantly. Kick him out of your day-to-day. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. Jesus is talking about the Great Commission as he's about to leave his disciples. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. And in my name, they will speak with new tongues. Praise God. Notice how over and over and over again, the way to defeat the devil is not with swords and shields and money and power. It's your voice. It's what you're saying. It's the words that you're saying or not saying. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it and quoting it over and over and over again. Jesus is encouraging and showing you how he defeated the devil so that you can defeat the devil as well by washing yourself in the word, by speaking the word, by commanding him to go back to the pits of hell. And these signs will follow those who believe. Everywhere I go, this is what should be following you. On a day-to-day pattern, on a day-to-day experience, everywhere I go, something should be following me. And it shouldn't be the devil. It shouldn't be him just in my ear. What should be following me is the name of Jesus and the authority that he's given me to cast out demons, to speak in new tongues, to lay hands on the sick and watch them recover, to raise the dead, to go and make disciples, to tell people about Jesus. Those are the things that should be following me, not getting caught up in your head, getting caught up in your physical status or what's going to happen in your future. God holds my future. And as long as I am hearing and listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying me, he's going to lead me and guide me into the best future that I could ever go to. If I try to do it on my own, even without the devil trying to steer me off course, I would still get it wrong. But with the Holy Spirit inside of me, leading me and guiding me into all truth, he's going to show me of good things to come. Praise God. There's a game that I play on my phone. It's a football game, kind of like an old Nintendo football game. It's called Retro Bowl, and it's got, since it's the beginning, today's the first day of the NFL season starting, it's got these NFL teams on there, and you can be the coach, and you can draft players, and you can sign players, and you can cut players, and you can play the game, and you just, you know, use your finger and throw the ball, touchdown. And you play through the season, then you get to the playoffs, and you can win the Super Bowl or the Retro Bowl, as they call it, probably for uh, naming rights. They can't say what it is. And you can play season after season, and it's just easy to sit there for a couple minutes and play a game and run the ball and throw the ball. But I understand that by me playing this game, I am not an NFL coach. I do not have the NFL authority to coach a team 
The NFL isn't calling me because I've won two or three of these Super Bowls to come and coach the New Orleans Saints today. They're playing the Falcons today. My phone has not rung yet. If it does, then I'll answer it, and I'll leave immediately to drive to Atlanta to coach them. I've sent them screenshots of my record. I win about 75% of the time. I draft some amazing players. But I understand I'm not in the NFL, and I don't have the NFL quality to do that. The unfortunate thing is a lot of Christians believe that God has NFL authority and he's only given you retro bowl authority. And you think that the authority that God has given you is not the same authority that Jesus used to kick the devil out. But it's the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. It's the same exact spirit you might have never done. I've heard Andre say before, you might have never done a miracle in your life, but the Holy Spirit who lives inside of you has done enough miracles to know what to do when you lay your hands on somebody that they get healed, they get free, they get recovered. And it doesn't matter about going out and healing somebody else. Sometimes you got to lay your hands on yourself and say, devil, get out of me. Get out of my mind, get out of my physical body, and get out of my future. You have the same God-given authority that the most spiritual of persons that you can think of, you have that same spirit inside of you to cast out and kick out the devil. Praise God. And let's finish this off with kick him out of your relationship with God. It's kind of a weird thing to say. But hopefully I can explain it to you. In John chapter 13, here in a minute, we're going to finish this day off by taking communion together. We're going to talk about communion right here. John chapter 13, verses 26 and 27, and then verses 30 and 31. Jesus is with his disciples. It's the Passover meal. It's the Last Supper. They're all sitting around talking. And before they take communion, Jesus answered, It is he... To whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And look what happened. Now after the piece of bread, uh uh-oh, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Dropping down to verse 30, it says, having received the piece of bread, he, being Judas, then went out immediately And it was night. And then verse 31. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. And then they take communion after this. So many people, when it comes to communion, you've heard it before, and people misteach 1 Corinthians 11 when it comes to taking communion, that people have taken it incorrectly and therefore have died. So as I grew up, I was always taught that you've got to repent for every sin that you've ever taken in your life, that you've ever done in your life, before you take communion, or you're going to drop down dead immediately. Maybe you were taught that. Maybe that was what happened in your church as well. So as a kid, when I took communion, I was terrified. I was terrified to put that piece of bread in my mouth because I knew that I had lied to my parents at one point in time and that I didn't apologize for it enough. And when I put, when it, when it touched my tongue, when it, when it barely touched my tongue, boom, I'm dead. And in front of all the people in my church, they're going to be like, sinner, ha ha. 
But as I grew older and I watched other people take communion, I saw other people that I saw at the bar on Friday night and Saturday night chomping all the bread that they could, and they didn't die. And I thought, either God's word is wrong or we misinterpreted it. Because here, before they ever take communion, Jesus kicks the devil out before they ever even take communion. It's such a holy thing. It's such a... So why am I worried about myself? Why am I worried about my sin when Jesus said, remember me, over and over and over? So when I take communion, I don't think about me at all. I think about my Savior, and I think about his body being broken for me, and I think about his blood being shed so that that new covenant could come upon me, and I could be blessed by him and prosper by him because he's already forgiven me. He's already taken care of me. But so many people have a relationship with God, but they listen to the devil over what God says. You're nobody. You're a sinner. You're a failure. Don't go to church. Don't take communion. Don't give. Don't read your Bible. Don't pray. He's not listening. He doesn't care. And you take that to the bank like it is the truth. When it says in John that Jesus came full of grace and full of truth. And we put this wedge in between us and in between God. And the devil just stands there laughing as he's caused a separation in your relationship. Not saying that you're not saved. I'm not saying that he's the one that's dividing you from your salvation. I'm saying he's the one that's keeping you at arm's length from having that relationship with God. And you got to kick him out. You got to kick him out. You got to quit listening to him and listen to the word. Listen to what God says. In James 4, 8, I don't have it up there. It just says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And wherever there's light, there can't be darkness. So the more I draw closer to God, the more light I get involved in, the less darkness there is, which means I'm kicking him out of my relationship. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 3. Such a short, simple scripture, but so powerful. But the Lord is faithful. Aren't you thankful for that? Another scripture says, even when I'm faithless, he's faithful. Even when I listen to the devil sometimes and he pulls me away from God and he pulls me away from the house of God and he pulls me away from this, it says that he's faithful. When I draw near to him, when I just turn a little bit, when I just say, God, I need you, he's right there. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and look at this and guard you from the evil one. I've got to get closer to him. We talked a couple weeks ago about the scripture that says that I could just know him, that I may know him, that I can get close to him, to enjoy him. And the closer I get to him, the more he protects me, the more he guards me, the more he establishes me, the more he builds me up, the more he helps me. Me and my wife on October 1st will be celebrating our 11 years of being married. We made it. We did it. Thank you. And wouldn't it be weird if for our 11th anniversary, the gift that I got her was bringing another person into our relationship? Guy or girl just brought in somebody in the house, said, hey, this is going to be the third part of our marriage. They're going to hang out with us. They're going to eat with us. They're going to do... It'd be weird. And what if every time... I saw my wife, I said, hey, babe, I love you, 
And that other person in our marriage came instantly behind her and was like, no, he doesn't. He didn't do the dishes when you asked him to. <laughs> or she's leaving and she says, hey, I'm, I'm leaving. I love you. And she walks out the door and that person comes on the sofa, crawls in my lap and whispers in my ear, she hates you. She hates you so much. It would be the weirdest thing to have this third person in our marriage in the most intimate relationship on earth and constantly be trying to divide us. But somehow in Christianity, we seemingly just allow that to happen. In the most intimate relationship between you and God, you have allowed the devil to be involved in that relationship and you've listened to him more than you've listened to the one who loves you. The one who has your heart. The one who created your heart. You come to church and God says, I love you. I gave my son for you. I put my spirit inside of you. I'm cheering you on. I've got a hope and a future and a plan for you. And you walk out of these doors and you get in your car and that third part of the relationship is in the back seat and says, he hates you. How dare you go to church and think that? We know what you're going to do today. We know what you're going to do tomorrow. It's time to kick him out of your relationship with God. He's not allowed in this place anymore. And you can come play, and I'm finishing up with this. Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. God is speaking to you today. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. God is saying today, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The devil's not telling you that today. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Revelation, it says that he's the accuser of the brethren. All he wants to do is accuse you. But God is saying, fear not, for I'm with you today. Whatever you're going through, whatever's happening in your life, I'm with you. Don't be dismayed. Don't be sad. Don't be distraught. Don't be anxious, for I am your God. And right now, in this moment, I'll strengthen you. Right now, in this moment, yes, I'll even help you. You might have done something that has caused you this pain, that has caused you this frustration, and God's saying, yes, even in that moment, I'll help you, and I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. We talked about that scripture uh, a couple weeks ago. He picks us up out of the miry clay. He puts my feet on the solid rock. James chapter 4, verse 7, last scripture. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil. And he might, he may be, fingers crossed, here's hoping. It's not what the scriptures say. Read what the scripture says. He must, he will flee from you. That word resist in the original text means to stand against, to oppose, to withstand. And as we finish today, we're going to take communion together and we're going to resist the devil. We're going to oppose him. We're going to withstand him because we're going to remind him what his future is. My future is heaven. My future is an eternity with my Savior, with my Father, with all my loved ones that have come to know Jesus, all the men and women of the faith. His future is hell. He loses. He always loses. 
He knows that. But I'm going to remind him of it every chance I get. You lose. You already lost. You'll lose again. Try your best. God is on my side. And if God is on my side, then I have the majority. God is on your side. You have the majority. The victory is yours. Kick him out of your house. Don't let him stay in your house any longer. Some of you might need to go home and find some oil. Pray over the house. Pray over the property. Some of you might need to go home and open the door. Tell that dumb devil to get out. You aren't staying here anymore. It's time to kick him out of your body, out of the physical. It's time to kick him out of your mind. Romans 12, renew your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? You wash it with the word. Ephesians 5. Kick him out of your future. Your yesterday might have been the worst it's ever been, but your tomorrow, tomorrow is a day of prosperity. Tomorrow is the day where God turns it all around. I don't know how, I don't know when, but my future is different than what my past was. I'm going to see my life change. I'm going to see my relationship with God change. I'm going to see my marriage change. I'm going to see God move in my future, not the devil. And lastly, kick him out of your relationship with God. Trust God. Trust God. You trust everything else. You trust the news. You trust your social media. You trust what your mom and your dad say. You trust even what the devil says. But now is the time to trust God. Either this book is real and it says what it says or it's not and let's shut down the church. But I've seen too many miracles. I've seen too many signs and wonders. I've seen too many times of standing on that word of God and seeing my future change. This book is real. And if it's real, then you need to apply it to your life like it is your blood force, like it is the last thing on earth that is keeping you alive. Fight the good fight of faith. Amen? Let's stand up as we get ready to go. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul introduces communion to the Gentile church. Jesus introduced it to his disciples and to the Jews, but it was so important to Jesus that he wanted you and me in 2022 to still be taking communion. And Paul says, for I received of the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, what we just saw, what we just read, the same night that Satan showed up, he kicks Satan out as soon as he shows up. He takes the bread, he gives thanks, and he breaks it, and he tells them, this is my body, which is broken for you. The scripture says that by Jesus' stripes, you are already healed. The beautiful picture that the same day that Jesus went to the cross to die for your sins was the same day he went to the whipping post to take care of your sickness and your disease. That's how important it was to Jesus that you be healed. The same day he took care of your sin was the same day he said, I'm taking care of your sickness and disease and all the things that sin caused. Kick him out of your physical body today. You hold, we believe by faith, a miracle sign and wonder in your hand that we believe the body of Christ was broken so that our body could be put back together. And let's receive our healing today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive the body.
Thank you, Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 11, when he talks about communion, talks about it in Matthew and Mark, he says, this is my blood which is poured out for you. Represents the new covenant. Represents his blood that was poured out. I just have this beautiful picture of the first time Jesus was hit, the first time his beard was pulled out, the first lick on his back, the first hammer of that nail, and that blood just started coming out. The new covenant just started getting released, started releasing for salvation, started releasing for healing, and it just started permeating into the atmosphere started permeating into the spiritual and the physical realm. And things started happening and shifting and changing. Don't ever tell me that the cross wasn't important. Don't ever tell me the gospel message isn't important. In the gospel message, it is the power of God to the Jew and the Gentile because he decided to pour his blood out for you all God, all man decided to die for you. And it says in the scriptures that in him, all the blessings are yes and amen. And we celebrate that new covenant. If you could join me, we raise our glass. And we remember and we toast the captain of our salvation. The scripture calls him the mediator between God and man. The scripture calls him the author of our eternal salvation. The scripture calls him the amen the scripture calls him faith. The scriptures call him our savior and our brother. And right now he is praying for you. Right now he is encouraging you. Right now he is leaning over to his father and he's saying how proud of you he is. And father, we receive what your son did for us. Jesus, we receive everything that you paid for in that new covenant. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's receive it together. In Jesus' name. Now, Father, we thank you for today. Jesus, we thank you for showing us how to kick the devil out of our lives. By using your name, by using your authority, by using your word, which the word is you. The word became flesh. It's all about you, Jesus. Remind us, show us throughout this week ways that we didn't even know the devil was trying to get involved in our house, trying to get involved in our physical bodies, trying to get involved in our mental state, trying to get involved in our future, even trying to get involved in our relationship with God. Let the light shine in our lives and show us where the darkness is trying to attack and trying to move in. Not so that we can be scared or fearful of it, but you haven't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind to go out and kick the devil out of those situations. Because we're your sons and daughters and we are victorious. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are more than conquerors. Greater are you that's in us than anything that could come against us in this world today. We kick him out by the name of Jesus. Now, Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do this week. 
and bring them back safely next Sunday. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Kick him out of your house. Bring Jesus in. We love you. Take care. See y'all next week. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.